Welcome to the Media Nerds Podcast. I'm Dan Vatabonker. And I'm Kenton Larson. And yes, I know we've been away from this podcast for a little while. We did, I think, a couple episodes uh, when we started under quarantine. But then we shifted quickly to Star Wars Nerds. So if you want to listen to what we've been talking about over the last few weeks, uh, go over to Star Wars Nerds and listen to that. There's been a ton of Star Wars um, news out there. So we just decided to focus on that podcast for a little while. But we're back talking about uh, the media in general and that kind of stuff. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> way, to, way to pick up that ball, Kenton. Great job. I, it looked to me, see, the, what, and what our listeners don't know is we see each other. And I thought you had a look on your face like I'm gearing up to say something else. I was gearing up to throw it to you, and you didn't catch it. You know That's what? okay. And I'm trying to do something else, which is to be more mindful of pausing when I'm done speaking. Yeah, that's important when we when we podcast like this. Now, f- the way we're doing it, we both have headphones on and we both are recording our own voices, just so people know behind the scenes a little bit. And then I take the two tracks and I put them together and it's relatively easy to do when both people are only recording their own voices because I just find up where they sync up and I leave it. Now, there are instances, of course, where we're going to talk over each other, and that's a problem that everybody is facing. Even like I was listening to The Couch Potatoes, which is a CGOB show and a podcast, and he he just says at the very beginning, Jeff is at home, and we're going to talk over each other. It's just the way it is when you when you do this kind of thing. So I try to minimize that in the editing, but sometimes you just can't quite help uh, talking over each other. Um, so anyway... Getting back to the topic at hand, this week we're going to talk about all the stuff we've been watching slash reading slash uh, playing or whatever, all the media we've been consuming over the quarantine. Uh, it's been four months, I guess, almost, March, April, May, June, almost four months Holy. since we went into uh, kind of lockdown. And I know it wasn't truly a lockdown, but basically we had a good three month, three solid months of like staying at home and not doing anything. We're now just starting to be allowed out <laughs> into the wild. As, as they say, like we're into phase two of our reopening and things are going pretty well. Our, our cases of COVID are pretty low here in Manitoba where we're recording this. So now we can go outside. I'm, I'm planning a weekend full of outdoor activities um, coming up because it's going to be very nice. And I um, but again, I have been watching a lot of stuff and and playing a lot of video games and doing a lot of the kinds of things you would be doing when you're stuck inside. So that's what I thought we'd talk about today on the podcast. Yeah. And it, it's, and I actually have found that the time has flown. Yeah, like it's no, not. I, agree. I thought it would drag, and it, it would be kind of dismal because there'd be nowhere to go. But it's actually flown by, and I'm well, shocked. I would, I would still say it was dismal. <laughs> it did not, it did not drag as much as you thought it would. But I don't think it's been a ton of fun. I mean, I, I've had days where I've just been like feeling like just completely motivation motivationalist not motivated at all to do anything just because i'm like i'm not going to leave the apartment today i have no reason to see i don't uh, i don't know i must be uh comfortable being alone or something (laughs) (laughs) because i have not i really it's to me it's just been like almost nothing like it's shocking yeah yeah, well it's it's your dream movie theaters are shut down you don't have to go to the theaters to see the movies you can just watch things yeah that's Uh, that's that's my wildest dream i always wanted that remember I'll start with this. Have you actually rented any movies that have been released, like the the ones that have been released on demand instead of in the theater? There's only been a couple of them so far. The answer is I have. Well, I mean, th- we're going to use this podcast to talk about all the media that we've right. been looking at and taking in. And the answer is I've not taken advantage of any of the released early movies, but um, I have definitely rented. I've paid A2, uh, iTunes a lot of money. And um, 
made my Amazon Prime and Netflix subscriptions well worth it. So, well, <laughs> so yeah, for sure. A but, lot of that. And, yeah. and to be fair, the ones that have come out, I don't know if this is deliberate or not, but the ones that have come out in on demand instead of in theaters are mostly kids' movies. It's been Trolls to the Scooby Doo movie. The one that wasn't that maybe was The Invisible Man, which was the first one that came out. Um, and I still haven't seen that. I hear it's good. I hear it's a good movie, but I've not. I heard it was it. terrible. Oh, really? I heard from okay. a variety of sources that 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 it's garbage. Well, I don't think it's worth paying twenty five bucks for. That's my that's my thing. Like again, you see that you see the price tag twenty five dollars or whatever it is to rent it, and you're just like, uh, and I know that we've talked about this, and you say you would be willing to do that for certain movies, right? Not for. The Invisible Man, but maybe for the next Star Wars movie or something like that, that would be something you would be willing to well, pay. Well, I said I'd be willing to pay 50 bucks um, to get early, to see a, a movie that I really wanted to see early. I would be willing to do that. Like the one for me, the one that just drove me nuts was Rogue One, where there was high demand, like it's right after the, sort of the Star Wars mania was still at a pretty fever pitch. And just the whole buy, racing to buy the tickets and then go into the theater that day. And then I was in the theater and it was supposed to be 3D, but it wasn't. <laughs> so we all had two, 3D glasses on and one by one we go, oh, and we all take them off. <laughs> And just like, okay, I guess Didn't it's not see that? Yeah, but that's the one you saw twice in one day. Didn't you come and yeah, see it with me right after right. that? Yeah, that's okay. right. So, but also, that was, that all of that crap. All yeah. of that crap is removed from the equation and the and the frustration well it's fun to see it in the theater too of course that's what you'd be missing but i like the guarantee that's what i like about the mandalorian i like the guarantee there it is it's gonna work we'll just watch it concentrate on it you know like i, I like all that i think i, I read a, a piece recently that said the, the thing people like the most about watching these movies at home as opposed to in the, in the theater is the ability to pause it and go to the bathroom or go get a snack or whatever like that whole thing i mean you can't do that and i very rarely will get up in the middle of a movie to to leave oh you know, I, with the kids i make sure that they all go to the bathroom before the movie and and we sit down and watch the whole thing uh but yeah occasionally that happens where you have to get up and leave and and you miss part of the movie and you don't know what the hell's going on and you come back that that does happen um well let's start with the movies then if we're going to talk about that what movies have you been watching um over the over the uh course of the pandemic and uh what what's been good and bad and, and whatever i can't wait to get to tv show because i've got a stinker for you oh i bet but, uh but i think uh, i know what it is already <laughs> oh do you <laughs> i'll see we'll see okay so the movies that I've I've watched, um, I'll, I'll, here let me just throw the, and oh, and some of this stuff is also oh god, and then there's um, then there are documentaries. So let me just do my list oh, fast. Okay, let me yeah. let me really quickly do that. And actually, my movies list isn't that long. Mine I, isn't either. I caught up with uh, da da uh, Daniel Day Lewis in Phantom Thread, which I'd never oh, seen. Oh, never seen. One of our former students loved that movie so much. We went to Chicago, and he made a point of going to see it in the theater in Chicago. There was like a special theater that was screening it. It was well after it had been released on DVD or whatever, but it was a special kind of thing. And he just loves that movie so much. Was it yeah. good? Fantastic. I agree. Okay. It's it's the, on its surf. The here's the problem with the movie. I don't care about a seamstress. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, that's why I haven't watched it yet. Like, I, I just have no desire. I don't care about Thread. I care more about Phantoms than Thread. Yes. So, so I was like, uh. so I saw that. I saw, um, I saw a Guy Pierce film that kind of got buried along the way on Netflix called Results about 
about he owns a gym. Hmm. <laughs> and I was like, what's this? And I watched it. And to my delight and surprise, it it's really good. It's funny. Mm -hmm. It's funny. And uh, and I, I quite enjoyed it. I saw what's bad education. <laughs> I don't know. I saw it. <laughs> I don't remember. Never heard of it. I saw bad education. Um, and then I was very excited that last week the trip to Greece came out, uh, which is the Coogan Bryden team up. They say it's the last one. No way. Okay. That's the fourth one. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I love those movies. I love so, it. And it's interesting because on one of the movie channels uh, at some point uh, last month, they were having like a Steve Coogan marathon or something. And it started with Philomena, which I rewatched. I'd seen it when it came out a couple of years ago, but I rewatched Philomena and just loved it. It's such a good movie, and he's excellent in it. And then it went into the trip and the trip to Italy. And I only I rewatched the trip, and I didn't watch any of the other ones again. But I such such good movies the overall, just one, amazing. I still like the first one the best. It's great. I mean, yeah. the, that whole idea that they're just kind of improvising everything. And just his buddy with all his impressions and that kind of stuff. And them sitting there doing Michael Caine at each other across the table. It's funny. It's really funny. Listening to Kate Bush on the car radio. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of great moments. Walking up the mountain to make a phone call. Yeah. Like all of that stuff. It's so... It, it's, it's a great film. And actually, but, uh, I, it might be one of my favorite uh, series uh, other than Star Wars. <laughs> it might be one of my favorite. Well, it's interesting how they turned it into a series, right? So they just took that first one, was just the trip, and then they, then they just said, okay, let's go somewhere else. It's kind of similar to, uh, although this was more of a documentary, Ewan McGregor's Long Way Around series, where he did Long Way Around and then Long Way Down. I guess he only did the two, but... Um, but yeah, that kind of thing where they're like, let's just go somewhere else and we'll do another, we'll do another round of it. We'll go to a place, we'll improv and we'll create, uh, some other stuff. And they did a great job with that. They should do the trip um, to Canada. Yeah, that, that would be great. Thinking, oh, yeah. That'd be so oh, much great. Fun. But, and there's only one more movie that I saw. Um, and that was nominated for best foreign film this year. I only have one more to go in my Oscar. Oh, <laughs> I'm really? Still, I'm still watching the Oscar nominated films from last year. Okay. And so there was two. Um, I, uh, the one that's about to come out is called Corpus Christi. Don't know. It was nominated. And I can't, mm -hmm. I can't remember if it's foreign or documentary for mm. or one or the other. I can't remember. But, um, uh, the movie that was nominated for best foreign film was called Les Miserables, not the musical. Okay. It's about, uh, however, there's an allusion in the film to the book by Victor Hugo, but it's about cops um, working in France and with all the uh, current events being what they are. Uh, illusion with an A, not an illusion. Right. Did I, Did okay. I say illusion? Well, I, I couldn't quite speak of the pronunciation. <laughs> but you, let's, let's make it clear. It's illusion. They're, they, yes. allude, they allude to the, right. uh, the book. And with current events, what they are, I would suggest that uh, the uh, Les Miserables from 2019 is a film that people would get a lot out of. I loved it. I thought it was a really great film. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots to recommend in that film, but it's better going and not knowing anything. And it's not the musical. So if you're, looking at, <laughs> if you're on iTunes and you're looking at the music, forget it. Do you want me to save my documentaries? Yeah, save okay, that. Okay, so let's other, hear what um, you've been watching. Well, I, again, I have not been watching a ton of movies. I've been rewatching movies. I kind of stalled out on my challenge a bit because I, I lost the motivation to do it. I might still continue that, but I got stuck in 1999, actually. Uh, 90, no, I did 98. 98 was The Big Lebowski. And then 99, I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I could do uh, 
I could do uh, I could do the Phantom Menace, <laughs> 1999. I could do the Matrix. It was a good movie, good year for movies. I was living in Edmonton at the time. But um, the one film, speaking of Oscar nominated films, one movie I did finally get around to watching was Ford versus Ferrari, which is one that I had never I had not seen, and it finally okay, let's watch this. And I, I actually liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I me thought too. the I thought the title was not the greatest, more most accurate, unless this is what I don't. Obviously, we're too young to remember anything that happened when this took place, but. Um, is that what the media called it during that race? Like it was like the Le Mans, the 24 hour race they do in France. And basically the premise is that Ford wants to build a race car to beat Ferrari. Ferrari wins every year. Their cars are the best kind of thing. But the whole movie is not about Ford versus Ferrari. The, the movie is about um, Shelby played by Matt Damon versus the Ford executives. That seems to be it's like Shelby versus Ford is where it should be because he's always he spends the whole movie fighting with them over how to build the car and which driver to pick. And it's Christian Bale is the driver and he's really good. They're both really good. Like I thought it was a great, a great performances by everybody involved. Um, and there was a few things that didn't really pan out. There's a, like some, sh some pit shenanigans. Matt Damon is like messing with the Italians doing these weird things. Have you seen this movie by the way? I'm talking I have. About it. Okay. Yeah. And I like, and I, and I really liked it. I really liked it. Yeah. It's a good I mean big budget. You know what I mean? Well, Mass racing consumption movies, film. It's good. Maybe remember when yeah. we talked about the Oscar nominations and you're like, yeah. race cars make noise, vroom vroom, and then we're like, sound, people that's like that. Sound design, yeah. <laughs> the sound design, and I think <laughs> yeah. it did. I think it won for editing too. It might have won for editing, um, but it was just overall a great, great film. I just thought the title was a little misleading, but I, I think they may have called it that because that was what the, the press had dubbed it back in the day. Um, but yeah, certainly an interesting story and a great, great performances all around from that. Um, what else have I seen? I can't. I should have written this down, but I can't think of any other movies offhand. It's just been not a lot of movies that I've really wanted to see. Unfortunately, I just kind of look through the on demand. I'm like, ah, I can wait. I can wait till it comes out on Netflix or Amazon or whatever. I've not been really feeling the urgency to to watch film a lot in these last few months. So we'll see. Maybe I'll pick up on something. Maybe after your recommendations or what you talk about. Um, let's go. Let's go to documentary then. What have you watched as far as documentaries go? I'm gonna go down the list fast because there's a lot. So yeah, I, well. Lots. I mean, more. I've seen more documentaries than fictional films, but um, there. I saw a film that I didn't know existed. That is lots of fun. It's called Bathtubs Over Broadway. Have you ever heard of that? Okay, it's uh, a writer for David Letterman um, starts collecting corporate musical albums. And uh, and uh, where where back in the day they'd get the they'd rally the troops together they'd rally uh, the staff for an organization and they'd present a musical <laughs> about the organization and so he he plays a lot of hilarious corporate musical stuff and actually hunts down people who starred in the corporate musicals so it's pretty damn good and the film ends with their own little corporate musical number. And it, it's so it's just good, just light as a feather and lots of fun, <laughs> lots of fun. So I enjoyed that. And it also shows, I can't think of the writer's name, um, Steve, can't think of his last name. Anyway, um, it shows his, he, and the movie is shot during his, the last days of late, the late show with David Letterman. Okay. So it's, it, it's pretty good. You get some behind the scenes stuff uh, on the show as well. So it's quite good. Um, then... Uh, HBO uh, did Atlanta's Missing and Murdered, and that's about the child murders in Atlanta in the, in 1980. 
and and updated and I it was something I thought I knew a lot about and then I watched it and I was like wow that it's a it's a four-part documentary I think it was and it's awesome on Netflix I watched uh, Miles Davis uh, the birth of the cool and it really led me to appreciate more about Miles Davis Dan did you watch the Michael Moore documentary that he sponsored, Planet of the Humans, before it got removed from the internet. No. Okay, it's removed because of a copyright claim, about four seconds of video or something. Really? Um, but it's the most depressing documentary I've ever seen in my life about how the planet's fucked. And uh, <laughs> yes, so don't watch it. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. If you're interested in that kind of stuff, it's 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 a real and and they save the most. Dep it depresses you all the way through. And then they end with the most depressing thing you've ever seen. And so it's kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't think we need more of that in our lives. <laughs> but it's good. No, no. Um, on Netflix, I watched The Biggest Little Farm, which is a delightful documentary about a couple that decides they're going to um, start a farm in uh, California. And it is a great documentary. If you like little baby piglets and all of, <laughs> all of that stuff, it's pretty good. Um, I saw the documentary Cinematech has all of their uh, stuff available to, for home viewing. And there's a documentary called The Booksellers about all of these little bookstores in New York City that collect rare books. And bookstores where there's just specialists working there. Delightful documentary. I saw a documentary on Amazon Prime about the British rock punk band The Damned. Excellent documentary. HBO had a documentary on Natalie Wood and and the mystery surrounding her uh, disappearance, and um, uh, and the documentary. The interesting thing is it's directed by Natalie Wood's daughter, which is so it's quite good. And the access to people in the documentary is amazing. Uh, there is a a documentary on a Dieter Rams, the famous designer who influenced your favorite designer, Johnny Ive. <laughs> and it's great. It's called Rams, R-A-M-S, soundtrack by Brian Eno. Wonderful documentary. It's like, I, I think it's a short one too, 70 minutes or something. And I love that documentary. So there, there you go. That's so lots of documentaries. And actually, Amazon is chock full of Amazon Prime of documentaries. More. Are we talking? And we're talking films, right? Documentary oh, films, yeah. not Film. series. Right. So, yeah. so I've left the Tiger King out of there. I'm not watching it. I refuse. Uh, I'm not watching Tiger King. I have some thoughts on it. <laughs> well, you can give me your thoughts if you want. I don't care. No. no. When um, we get well, to I TV, do care, but when we get to TV. Okay. But here's the thing. Like uh, uh, again, I have not been watching a lot of movies, and that includes documentaries. I just have not had the interest, and in. I don't know why. I don't know why it's harder for me to decide on a movie because. When you think about in terms of, I'm not a huge fan of like ending a movie or start stopping a movie midway through, and you know coming back to it later. Although that does happen sometimes, but when it when you think about the time commitment for a TV episode, you're committing at least like a, at most an hour to watch a single episode of TV, and then you can move on and do something else. For a movie, you want you're going to commit an hour and a half or two hours, and sometimes you just don't want to be sitting on the couch for that long. Uh, so that's why I've been reluctant to to. Um, to watch movies and plus there's been so much good tv out there that 
you know, it's just not like really. And movies are struggling. Like not only there's not a lot of new ones out there because of the whole pandemic thing, but the ones that are out there are just not great in in the first place. So of course Netflix continues to release like direct to like there's that one with Chris Hemsworth. I've been meaning to watch whether he's like the uh, terrorist guy or whatever. I don't know what that's all about. Um, that was a direct to Netflix one, and there was something else too. I can't remember quite what it was. But uh, but yeah, I, I just not as interested in in the uh, the movies as as the series apparently. It's, that's tough because I used to love watching movies. I still do love watching movies. I just not. I mean, I have just kind of really just commit to two hours of my life are going to be sitting watching this movie, and I need to just uh, get get over that. I well, I always talk about that in class. I talk about it, about distraction and about like how our attention spans are shorter than ever. Yeah. And there was a time I sort of had to like break the habit of that, and it takes a long time. But I remember sitting in a movie theater and seeing like, you know, the beginning. What you know, when a, a bad robot and all of that stuff comes up on the screen, and just kind of my my thought would be like, how long is this gonna take? You know. What I well. Mean? <laughs> Especially when there's a million production companies involved in a, in a yeah. movie, and they've all got super intricate little logos that they do. Like all those things get ridic- ridiculous after a while. Um, speaking of Bad Robot, I did rewatch Star Trek. I, I um, okay, so I, I, hook, I finally got a hold of, of Shaw and hooked up the AMC. Much to my disappointment, they do not make episodes of Better Call Saul available on demand on AMC. They don't. That's stupid. They, I don't know why. Any other any other network you hook up, you can just look at their back catalog. HBO has everything available. AMC only had the, the two most recent episodes of Better Call Saul, and that was it. So I don't know how I'm going to watch Better Call Saul. I might have to wait for it to get to Netflix at some point. Um, but uh, on AMC, they've also sh- the, the main thing with AMC when they don't show their their series is movies. That's how they built that station. Um, so there's been movies on, and I've been watching um, whenever something comes on. Usually, what happens is I catch it on AMC. And then I go and see if it's on Netflix so I can just watch it without the commercials. Uh, so that's what happened with Star Trek. The first Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek um, that with Chris Pine and, and all those guys, the reboot kind of one. Uh, and I still really like it. It's still a great film. Like I, it, It's so good. And especially, it's way better than the other two. And uh, and certainly better than the Star Wars movies that JG directed. So maybe he should just have stuck with Star Trek. Oh, the, um, second, the second Star Trek, though. <laughs> Uh, no, but he didn't do that. Oh, did he do that yeah, one? He yeah, did. he did do that. He, yeah, he didn't do the third it one. It goes sideways. Right. It's yeah. not uh, okay. it's not a keeper. That's right. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, I did I did rewatch that. And any movie the other movies I've watched over the last few months have been just ones I've already seen, kind of rewatching them just for the sake of like comfort food. You know, it's visual comfort food to write rewatch something that you've you're familiar with. Uh, okay, let's move on to series now. Um, I'll start with uh, a series that uh, oh, I still have one episode left, so I haven't finished it. And I have mixed feelings on this, and I think this might be your worst series, but we'll see. Um, have you watched Space Force yet? It's in my watch list. I okay, so it's not the one it. that you okay. No. So here's the thing: Space Force is the new series with Steve Carell, created by Greg Daniels and Steve Carell. Greg Daniels, of course, is the creator of The Office and Parks and Rec, and a very well-known TV producer. Um, and was I think Conan O'Brien's writing partner for a long time. I think Greg Daniels. Anyway. Uh, um, so this is kind of it was pretty hyped up, you know, Space Force, and, and the whole premise of the show is based on Donald Trump's idea for the new branch of the military, and so they're, they're kind of taking a comedic look at what if this really happened and how stupid would it be? 
and it is pretty stupid at times. This this series reminds me a lot of. It feels like you know if the first season of a TV series isn't always the greatest. Like the first season of The Office isn't the greatest. Same with Seinfeld. Same with the, even Friends. Like they're, sometimes they're having a hard time. Get they're just getting comfortable in the roles, and they don't quite have you know, the chemistry that they will develop later. So that I can feel that happening here, although it's a bit of a different situation where Space Force is a direct-to-Netflix. They didn't have to make a pilot for the sake of making a pilot to sell it to anybody, but it still feels like that. It's The pilot, the first episode still feels like that clunky pilot that, that sits there and introduces all the characters. There's some funny jokes, but some of them just go way too long. Um, and some of them just kind of, like, play it. Like they just take it way one step further. Um, but that being said, the... Some of the performances are really good. John Malkovich is in this, and he's really good. He's hilarious. Um, and who else? Fred Willard is in this. He's very funny. He plays uh, Steve Carell's dad. His probably one of his final roles because he just passed away recently. And uh, there's a couple other people in it as well. So I've got mixed feelings about Space Force, but it, it is funny. Some jokes land. Some jokes don't. Um I, I hope they give it another season to develop it a little bit further, but I, I kind of like it. I think it's a pretty good show. It's not horrible. It could be better, but I, I, I think there's promise there, and I hope they actually take the time to develop that. I don't have the patience for so-so TV anymore. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, it's very hard to to commit to the time. Well, and here's the thing, though. These are half-hour episodes. There's only ten oh. episodes, so it's easy to it's easy to watch. I like that. Like there's, <laughs> there's not again. It's just like Afterlife, right? It's the same thing. Yeah. It's like you can watch. Although the Afterlife probably has less episodes. But um, you can, it's, it's an easy, like, at the end of the day, watch a half-hour episode of this and then go to bed or whatever. That's what I did. And I did that over 10 days, and it worked out. I still, I guess I still have the final episode to watch. But, and there's a lot of familiar faces you'll see. Um, uh, Jin Yang, remember Jin Yang from, um, from uh, Silicon Valley? Yeah. He's in this, but he doesn't have an accent. He just has his normal, like, yeah. accent. It's pre- he's pretty funny. I watched his stand-up on Amazon. Oh, okay. It's oh, okay. Cool. It's okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. He's fine as a stand-up yeah. comic. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it over some other ones I've seen. The weirdest part about this series so far has been Lisa Kudrow, who plays Carell's wife. Uh, I don't want to give it away because it's kind of a major yeah. spoiler. Do you don't know do what? It. You know what happens? No, okay. don't do it. Okay, there's something that happens with her, but it's just I'll talk to you after you've watched it because I I just want to know what you th- think thought about this her uh, her storyline in the series. But so far, it's been pretty good. Um, another one I've watched and finished was the first season of Upload, which was a uh, Amazon Prime um, series. Now, this is the basically the, another Greg Daniels series, actually. He, does, he did this one as well. And it stars Robbie Amell. He, he was, I thought it was Rob, but he now started going by Robbie. And he is, of course, Stephen Amell's brother. Stephen Amell is the Arrow um, who became famous for that. Rob, his brother, was in a few of those uh, Arrowverse shows. He was in The Flash and a couple of those other shows. But I think his character gets killed off in that series, those series. Um, so this starts, and it basically it's a series about, it's the premise is uh, based on that the best episode of Black Mirror, <laughs> which is uh, everybody's favorite episode um, where they have, the, I can't remember the name of the, the episode, but it's the, the two women who are living in this kind of 80s universe. And it basically it turns out that they are, they are dead or about to die, and that's their digital souls uploaded to a computer. Sorry, my phone's going off. Um, their digital souls uploaded to a computer, and this is what's happening here. So in this, in this, and it takes place in the year 2035 or something, so it's not too far into the future, but basically we've developed the technology to upload our digital selves into a 
computer and, and continues to live even after we die. So Rob Amell's character dies and gets uploaded into this, uh, I guess, it's like a retirement home kind of a thing. And I quite enjoyed it. There's a lot of funny jokes in there. Again, it's a it's an interesting world they're building. Um, and I, I quite enjoyed the uh, aspect of this. It's a lot of like, yeah, I mean, you, you the funny thing is that you continue to live in the afterlife as long as you can pay the bills. Like it's all about making money. So they have like, they have pop-ups and they have little add-on like uh, in-app in purchases and stuff like that. All the horrible things about the internet that you know and love um, are in this as well. And I quite enjoyed that first season. Again, very easy, 10 episodes, 30, 30 minutes a piece. Very easy to, to binge that one if you want in an afternoon. Yeah. How about you? Okay, so I'll, I'll go quick. Uh, Afterlife, of course, with Ricky Gervais, I think most people... Yeah, second season. I have yeah. not watched the second season yet, but I saw that was up it there. It is good. It's, it's yeah. a lot like the first season, and I think people will who like that one will like this one. I watched The Capture on Amazon Prime, which is wonderful, about uh, video surveillance. Oh, great. <laughs> right. And, and uh, it's... It is reminds me of like Netflix Bodyguard. It's a bit like that. It's a bit like whoa, what's happening? It's it, it's quite harrowing and uh, and it raises some really cool pointed questions about video surveillance. I quite enjoyed it. Um, Homecoming season two with Janelle Monae on Amazon Prime. Um, mm. Did you watch Homecoming season one with Julia Roberts? No. Oh, I okay. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, no, I didn't watch that. Is it not? She doesn't go into the second season. She does not. Okay, but interesting. Season one of Homecoming. I watched them in a row. Essentially, season one is incredible. I don't know why nobody told me about it. Or why. Well, I kind of it kind of flew under the radar. <laughs> I remember did. seeing the ads for it, yeah. and nobody was really talking about it. I just said, oh, "I'll just watch it later," and I never really got around to it. So I never felt a strong desire to watch that one, and I didn't see anybody else going, "This is awesome!" Like I don't, you know, see, I, maybe I, neither did I. I sort of grudgingly started it and was like, "Whoa, wait a sec, this is cool!" Like it's actually. Like it's right up our alley. Like it's it's, okay. it's sort of it's almost a Twin Peaksy at times. Oh, uh, cool. and uh, and lots of cool stuff. Season two, I've read some scathing reviews about, but I enjoyed it. Now I didn't enjoy it as much as season one, but season one at the very least, you got to watch that. That's so okay. good. No, like, I'll I'll check it out uh, again. It's been on my list, and I have not just not gotten to it yet and I'll, I'll also say it's 30 minutes long or less some episodes and yeah. it's got the best credits role in tv now <laughs> that's oh. all in the, at the end oh, credits. i thought you're gonna say history but but the end credits okay the end credits are fantastic um okay cool i'm on hbo i know this much is true is on right now and that stars oh why can i never think of his name who's the hulk who plays the Hulk in the Avengers movies? Mark Ruffalo. Mark, Mark Ruffalo. That's it. Fuck, I can never remember. You think I'd remember <laughs> a, a dark Buffalo? Mark Ruffalo. There's got to be something that helps well, me. The, well, his name rhymes with Buffalo. He's the only person in, in the world whose name rhymes with Buffalo. Except for uh, Dustin Bufflin. Close. I, I'm going to get him mixed up with that. So Mark Ruffalo plays a dual role about a, bro, uh, about a man uh, and his brother who has a schizophrenia, I think, who is a schizophrenic person. And it is, it's, it's um, what appears to be dismal, depressing viewing at first, in fact, is not because it's such a well-told story. It's not over yet. I think there's still another episode on HBO to go. It's fantastic. Uh, 
Killing Eve I watched this season, and all I'm going to say is I liked it less than the other two seasons. Uh, I'm saving my worst for last. Uh, Normal People is on CBC Gem. Oh my God, you hate that app. It's terrible, but the show is great, and it's from BBC, and and actually, uh, CBC is now not showing the same commercial all the oh, way they must, be selling, they must be selling some more ads oh. then, if that's the case. So, so it's a little good, bit good better them. than it used to be. It's certainly tolerable. Okay. Uh, I was watching, and, and so um, uh, I was watching a great show, foreign show called Hotel Beau-Zajur. Not Beau-Zajur, Manitoba, <laughs> but Hotel Beau-Zajur. And, okay. uh, it doesn't mean the same thing. It means a good day. Yeah, that's right. Mean- that's right. Yeah. And so the, and it's a show where a girl dies but is it can interact with certain people after she's dead. And it's mm. so well done. And, and we were like, we had two, three episodes to go or something and Netflix removed it. You know how long, oh, you know, that sucks. You know how long it's been since that happened to me? Like it's been years. Well, here's the thing. I was going to start while you're watching Mad Men. I yeah. thought, oh, it's a good time to go back to Mad Men. And that's leaving Netflix next week. Well, at least season one is. I don't know if the rest of it, but I started watching season one and it says this show will be leaving Netflix on June 10th. I'm like, what? Like, why would you take Mad Men off of there? That's so stupid. I know. It's ridiculous. So. It's a great Hotel Beaux-Azur. Great show. I'll never know the ending now. And it's not on uh, iTunes. It's not anywhere. You can't find it anywhere. It just pisses geez. me off. Oh, that's um, too bad. And then I saw what, the first episode of HBO Max's uh, first show. And that's Love Life with Anna Kendrick. And it's fine. <laughs> but oh. I'm going to rip one to shreds now. I'm going to rip it to shreds. The, one of the worst shows I've seen in recent memory is on Amazon Prime. It's Reese Witherspoon in Little Fires Everywhere, which is yeah, being, that one. Oh, it's being heavily I, promoted. Is it, yeah, I see it all over the yeah. place. And I okay, here's the thing. I started watching. I did start watching Little Big Lies, um, and I, I kind of got into it, but then I, I fell off of it. I just didn't love the characters that much, and I hadn't had a hard time identifying with those characters. Obviously, they're rich characters living in this super nice neighborhood or whatever. Um, but this seems like a try. They're trying to capture that again. Little Big Lies is a very successful show. Big Little Lies. Big Little yeah, Lies, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> little Big Lies, Big Little Lies, whatever. They're all lies. Um, and it seems like this feels like they're trying to do that again, right? I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but seeing Reese Witherspoon and the promotions, it feels like they're trying to like get that audience. It, for, it, for... And, and what pisses me off about it, about this, like Big Little Lies is a, is a legitimately great show, season one. Season two of Big Little Lies, less great, but you got Meryl Streep in there. And so yeah. it's like, oh, it's still pretty good. <laughs> you got Meryl Streep Can't go wrong with Meryl right. Streep. So that as a standalone thing is quite good. Now, Little Fires Everywhere, you're right. That first episode, I watched it. And I was like, ah, oh, this isn't bad. It kind of reminds me of the other one a little bit. But as it goes along, it gets worse and worse. And it becomes clear at a certain point that this show has no perspective on anything. It doesn't really have a point it's trying to make. It doesn't, I, and I'm sure the book is probably excellent that it's based uh, on. Okay. It's based yeah. on a book. It's probably one of those where you read the book and you're like, this would make a great show. But you end up watching it like the, and for me, it's almost worth suffering through the whole season to watch the shittiest finale in the history <laughs> of a show where I think I think the show wants you to go, 
wow, that's cool. And really what you end up doing is just going, I hate everybody on this show. I hate all of them. I wish they would all die in a terrible explosion. Oh, no. The only way they could redeem that season is at the very end. They kind of went to a long shot of planet Earth and it explodes. <laughs> and then I'd be like, okay, all right. Now, that's now satisfying. Like, that, yeah. that's, so I just... Like, I don't want to get, like, I think people are watching this show, so I don't want to give away anything. But I'm just going to say, I just found it, and to me, it's not, it has nothing to do with the subject matter and everything to do with the show having absolutely, like, it's like people who go, I'm just starting a conversation. You know, throw a hand grenade in the room, just starting a conversation. To me, the whole show is just like, we threw some hand grenades in the room, and uh, and you make sense of it. Here, take it mm. away. Take it away. Oh, well. Yeah, it's terrible. That's too bad. Yeah, that one I didn't really have any urge to watch. And there's still quite a few Amazon shows I need to catch up on. Um, the final season of Man in the High Castle and the, the final season of um, The um, the Expanse I haven't watched yet. I still haven't finished um, Tales from the Loop. I, I, I think that that one's getting mixed um, mixed reaction. It seems a bit slow. Uh, it's probably why I have not finished it. I, again, I can't get over. It. I love watching it because it's all like home. It's very much feels like here because it's shot here. So I like it for that reason. But other than that, it's not super, super intense or, or attention grabbing. Um, we should talk about a show that was still airing and it kind of wrapped up a few weeks into the quarantine, which of course was Westworld uh, season three. Uh, had an interesting conversation on Twitter. Um, our, uh, one of our favorite listeners, Lauren said he wanted to come in on the conversation. Sorry, Lauren, we couldn't bring you in on this because, you know, I don't, it's, it's hard to manage two people in this situation when we do these remote podcasts. So a third would just complicate the hell out of it. But, um, but, but he pretty much let us know what he thought of it when he said, you know, I'd like to have some reason to have watched that season. He was not, I got the feeling he was not over, overly very happy with the third season of Westworld. Uh, what did you think? Terrible. I agree. That was terrible. Okay. It's terrible, but in it, but not as terrible as little fires everywhere. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, but it, why, it is, why was it terrible? Why did you think it was terrible? Uh, the, the high level of promise that the season had and the complete, Und like nothing gets delivered on that promise. It's just, and, and things happen that don't make any sense and interesting ideas fall by the wayside and even the execution. So the idea at the idea level, it fails. And then at the execution level, it's just, I don't like a show that looks like it has a limitless budget and just can't engage you in what it has to say. You know, it's, yeah. it's very disappointing. It felt a bit like the final season of Game of Thrones in that respect. That uh, that worse. they really they could have done. It was worse than that. Yeah. Okay, oh, wait, but, I, I I really did like some of the, some of the ideas they they introduced in this, and we finally get to see the quote unquote real world outside the parks. Now I feel like they could have done more in the parks before they got to this point. They could have had us another season, like we talked about Shogun World or or uh, there's. Uh, other worlds out there that they could do, other parks they could explore, and I feel like they could have, um, you know, they could have done seasons like shown us the same characters but in their roles in these other parks. Like, uh, what's her face? What's the name of the main um, Dolores? She she has a role in in Roman World or whatever. Like she's you know a different story there, and playing a different type of character. Um, but I, I like the world they built. It felt very Blade Runner to me. It was kind of a cool looking world with these crazy cars and and that kind of stuff i like the idea of so jesse <laughs> jesse from uh breaking bad at blanking on his real name um is in this and he is kind of this criminal who like uses an app to get 
um, jobs. And I kind of like that idea a little bit. That's kind of a neat looking thing. It's all anonymous. You just get hired to do a job and that's it. And there's no, you know, liability, I guess. I don't know how that works. Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo. So, Dark but I, I like I like him. Like he is a good actor, and I thought he was good. I like the idea of him. You know, the, he's this the soldier. They give him these drugs to like suppress his emotions, so he can do his job better, and all this other stuff. And he's got this post traumatic. The problem was they built up to this major thing. Oh my god! Um, and spoiler alert for anybody who cares. But so they have this giant computer that can predict the future. The algorithm. <laughs> the algorithm. But I feel like this has been done before. I think as either it was in a book I read or another movie or TV show, but the idea of this giant all-knowing computer who can predict everything. And so they 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 let the information loose. They like it's a kind of a statement against, you know, Facebook and all these companies using our information. They give everybody this information about themselves. Oh, you're going to become a failure. Da 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 da. You're going to kill yourself on this bridge. And then like most of the population does. Like I thought it was so such a letdown when they reveal it. I would not believe anything that stupid computer had to tell. Like, honestly, well, who would believe that crap? You know, like, oh, I don't believe that. Come on. My life is my own. Da, 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 da. So that whole idea was lame. And then the idea of there being a second supercomputer yeah. somewhere else. And they had to go there. That and that a, whole that was a Star Wars plot twist. <laughs> There's a bigger Death Star. Yes. Yeah. This one doesn't care. Yeah. This is a schizophrenic computer, just like the creator. Like it's all that got a little bit much. So I, I agree. It was not the best season of, of uh, Westworld. I don't know if they're going to continue or how it did as far as ratings goes, but um, no, they're, you know, they, it was, they've renewed it. There's okay, another so four season. So they have a chance to redeem it, I guess, but I don't know where they're going to go from here. I kind of want to go back into the parks now that we've been, now that we've been out in the real world. I want to go get back into the parks and experience that a bit. One of the problems I thought was I couldn't. I was very pumped for them to get to the real world and see what it's, what it's all about. But we never saw many people in the real world. It was, no, we saw the same characters yes. that we like Dolores and all these other characters that we already knew, and even uh, uh, Ed Harris and that whole thing was lame as well. Like all that idea, um, they just kind of were wasted. I think very these clinical, and uh, I don't know. I, 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 it was just it just didn't resonate. And and to me, and I know the second season of Westworld, a lot of people didn't like, but I enjoyed the second. season. I thought it was good. Yeah. No, I thought it was much I, better. I had no beef with it. I was sort of like no. I was along for the ride. I think uh, point, one but... of the uh, second season episode, the one where they they kind of take they take us along with that uh, indigenous person yeah, yeah. who's a, who's a, who's a robot yeah. who's, who was one of the hosts, but take him into his life and his his awakening um, to the fact that he is he is a, a robot like that. That's probably one of the best episodes of the series, I think. Um, but yeah, this season was pretty disappointing. And so I've actually cut off my HBO subscription now. Oh. I'm not, I'm not, I got rid of it. No reason, no reason to watch HBO there's, until yes, something there becomes is. long. There's always no, a reason. No, no, there's always, there's always new give them and money. exciting stuff. Even John Oliver is lacking a little bit because he can't shoot Ooh, do anything. I like his remote show. I, well, think, I know, but it's fine. You know who show doesn't work on HBO is Bill Maher. Oh, oh no. What's he doing? I haven't even See, seen it. John Oliver. I watch that and I'm like, smooth transition. When you watch Bill Maher, you now see a depressed guy who can't leave his house. You realize that Bill Maher is, in fact, a social animal who is depressed <laughs> inside his house. He does not like being there. And so, and, and he's uncomfortable doing the monologue to the extent that they cut in people laughing, like as a joke. It's a joke, but, it, <sighs> but, the, but that's a joke to do once and then to leave it. He does it every week. So, oh, so no. when you watch, and Jay Leno's been a guest on his show twice now because he lives down the block. <laughs> <laughs> 
and he can, you know, ha ha ha, like it's funny, but uh, uh, it's just, that's a show where you realize of all things, like I thought Bill Maher hates people, he loves people, and he, he it just isn't. It's he not, needs people yeah, around him to do it. He needs it. them yeah. in the audience. Yeah, and no, there's a couple moment. of hosts. Yeah. There's a couple of hosts that are doing that as well. Um, I saw an interesting YouTube video that came out from this. One of the YouTubers, his name is uh, well, his name is go. He goes by Matt Pat, but the channel is called Film Theory, and he just made a video about how all these late night shows are doing it wrong. Um, so it kind of goes through all the main ones and kind of criticizes them, and and you know, and he says Seth Meyers is like the worst for like actually pausing for laughter when there is no laughter. Like he does that more than anybody else. Um, and, uh, the fact that they're all still trying to do, like he points out that the format of a late night show, not talking about Bill Maher, but talking about the main ones here, Jimmy Fallon and all that, the format has not changed in more than 50 years. Like it's been essentially the same since the very first tonight show. Um, but, uh, and they're all still trying to do that from home. They're trying to do a monologue. They're trying to do all that same stuff and it's not working. Now I said a couple episodes ago, I know they said that I thought Jimmy Fallon was doing a good job and I think he's done pretty well. He's got the cuteness of his kids. He's got that whole thing going on. Um, Jimmy Kimmel, they, did you say? Or Fallon? No, Fallon. Fallon. Oh, oh. Kimmel, again, Kimmel. Kimmel never, has the I, kids too. Oh, does That's he? Okay. Why I wasn't sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, and Kimmel changed what he was doing. He used to like. Okay, I'm just gonna like tell the listeners the angle that you see me at right now is not the most flattering angle. I'm at my I'm on my laptop right now, so it's kind of it's looking up at me, and that's like the angle that we're getting for a lot of these show hosts are just on their laptop and so you're not getting the best angle colbert is doing a better job of that colbert actually has this actual camera set up in his his house or whatever so he's doing a bit of a better job in that respect um but the one that actually he gave props to the best show that's kind of adapted the best to this whole situation is that the is the daily show with trevor noah um and he said he's actually trying to incorporate some youtube uh, tactics like talking to another version of yourself, cutting it together, you're having a conversation with yourself on either side, using graphics the way YouTubers use. Like his show feels like a YouTube show now, not a TV show trying to be uh, a YouTube show. So he's done about, and apparently he's done very well in the ratings as well. I didn't have the the, the data in front of me, but I've heard that uh, the Daily Show has done very well as far as getting more viewers in traditional ratings as well as on YouTube. So and a lot of the a lot of the um, Traditional shows like Fallon, Kimmel, and Colbert have lost subscribers through all of this because people don't like what they're doing. They'd rather see them in the studio. So, See, to me, it comes down to, like, oh, and of course we had the Jimmy Fallon controversy that he was wearing blackface on an episode of SNL from 2000. <laughs> was it? Doing a Chris Rock impression. Did you see any of that stuff? I did not see that. No. So, so Jimmy, but it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise right, so me. So Jimmy Fallon is, as we know, too eager to please, and he is apologizing everywhere he can. He's 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 too eager. Like, what? Hey, in order for him to do that, SNL had to let him on the air to do. <laughs> To do that, yeah. Someone thought yeah. that was a good idea, right. not just Jimmy Fallon, right? right? Lauren right. Michaels thought that was a good idea, right? But somehow, so. Lauren Michaels never gets called out for a goddamn thing he does. <laughs> now, in addition to only having one black person on the show, like since the beginning, well, they've got a couple now. Well, three, yeah, I think. But, yeah, but let's be honest about the history of SNL here. <laughs> it's been the one, yeah. Chris Rock was that guy in his, in his era, right? So, I don't think I, I think to. to Call out Jimmy Fallon. Okay, fine, but there's a larger structure at work here. 
See, the funny thing about it is, and it's, it's interesting because I just heard another one of my favorite YouTubers, the Nostalgia Critic, who I've, well, I've mentioned before on this. I've heard, I heard him do a Chris Rock impression recently. It was just a quick joke, and he just did the voice. He don't need blackface. Chris Rock is a very unique kind of distinctive voice. You know who he is. You don't need to have blackface in order to portray that, um, which, you know, that's why I, I don't think you need to do that. Well, it is, but again, this this joke was very quick, and then they're on to the next thing, and it wasn't a big deal. I didn't think it was a big deal in that respect. Um, so that's well, but I mean, I think this is not the end of this. Like everybody, not everybody, but many people have apparently have used blackface or brownface at some point in their careers, and it's just not. It was never okay, um, but at some point, people thought it was okay, and that's why we keep seeing this stuff, especially now. Well, nobody ever so. talked. Uh, you know, another SNL. Uh, well, at the time was considered a classic bit was Billy Crystal would do impressions of boxers and he absolutely he did, was in blackface on SNL as well. Well, he did Sammy Davis Jr. as well. He That was yeah. one of his main characters. He did that and quite Muhammad often. Ali. Muhammad Ali. Yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Because he could do the voices, right? That That's the main thing. Like he's a very talented impressionist. Um, but then you put but, him on SNL. Like, like there's a history of SNL. That's lost and that's lost here that I think that and, and I think it has everything to do with uh, with uh, people's not knowing the history of that show. Yeah, you know, so, right. so I don't think it's, uh, you know, I, I think there's more to be explored there. Maybe it will be. Uh, did, you, did you end up watching any of those home shows from SNL? Over the, over oh the yeah, it's a bits and pieces, right? It's yeah, they're pretty bad. I felt uh, they got worse. Uh, the first yeah. one was kind of a pleasant surprise because I didn't know they were doing it, yeah. and they came on. I'm like, oh, this is okay. They're doing their best. The second episode, I think they only did three from home shows. The second episode, they discovered green screens and the the like, you know, oh, let's give everybody a green screen and now we can make them anywhere. And now they did a bit of that over the top. And the third one was like, eh, I just thought the third one was, one was lame, and I was not impressed with almost any of that. the The funniest moment comes like when. Uh, your favorite newscasters there, Michael Che and uh, and Colin uh, Jost, make each other read inappropriate jokes on the show, and they don't turn out to be that inappropriate. Like it's just, it was kind of a lame bit. Um, but yeah, I, it's yeah, I don't know what to say. Yeah, I, SNL. Well, there's something else that 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 occurs to me this week, and I don't know what the answer is, but. We used to tune into late night TV to get jokes about the current event, jokes of the day, and and levity, and, uh, and yes. let's end the day with a and happy. We 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 kind of need that right now. That's the like the, today is like this. The news is not great. No, right it now. is depressing as all hell. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, on many different fronts. And uh, and uh, when you watch late night TV these days, those shows are just as depressing as the news. I mean, it's like watching the news. So I don't know, like I was sort of thinking about this this week and I don't have an answer, but ha, what's the right way? Like Letterman uh, after nine, uh, after yes, yeah, so, yeah, September 11th, as we say in Canada. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we still do, we still do, we do. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but he did the show, the very serious monologue and then slowly but surely, he started uh, telling jokes on the show. And I think maybe show three is like, I don't know if we're ready, but let's try some. And he had them written on a piece of paper and go, let's try, let's see if they're funny kind of thing. <laughs> and so even Letterman was like, this, this is a show about humor. And I noticed Jimmy Kimmel is still telling jokes with like barbed pointed, pointed jokes, you could say. And that's, I think that works. 
But then there's some shows like uh, that absolutely become almost news-like in what they're doing. Colbert is like that. Colbert right, does that. Right, and say, yeah. same with The Daily Show. Well, The Daily Show, that's the premise right. of the show. No, but but it's like more like actual news than a than a, than what we okay. used to call Well, back when John, John back when John Stewart hosted it, a lot of people said they got their news from The Daily Show. Well, that's just that, depressing. <laughs> that's what they did yeah, though. But it's because they'd rather see it, they'd rather see it presented in a funny way than to watch the regular news. <laughs> right. that, that was the way. Right. But that's a little less depressing than I get my news from Twitter. Right. <laughs> Which is very depressing. Or Facebook. Yes, it is. <laughs> Facebook's yeah. the most depressing place to get all your news. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it on Facebook. It must be I saw it a one thousand word post written by a, someone with a personal antagonism toward it. So I, and I didn't read it all, but I got the gist of it. I skimmed it. I read I, the first few words. I mean, this discussion has turned out to be more about like TV and movies, but there's a whole thing we, that we, we've not even talked about, which is what's happening on social media in these troubled times. That could be... You a, know, let's save that, let's yeah. save that for next episode yeah. because I think that's a good conversation to have. Uh, certainly the way I interact with social media has changed over the last few months. Oh, yeah. so we'll, we'll talk about that next time. Um, is there anything else that's been occupying your time over the last few months that you want to uh, share with us before we go? Yeah, I have one broad one, and we're, we won't do recommendations. Hey, we'll just no, because well, we've just been doing it. Okay. We're doing the whole episode, and then yeah. we'll ask you the same thing after yeah. I do. I've watched about in the last week about four hundred hours of CNN in a row. <laughs> oh my god! So just, I can't watch it. I tried. <laughs> I tried. I just cannot watch it. I happen to be tuning in live for the famous. I'm going to tear gas my people and then stand in front of this church with a Bible moment. <laughs> Is that your Bible? I, it's a Bible. It's, it's a Bible. <laughs> it's, it's a, a Bible. Bible. It's a Bible. <laughs> Thanks, Donald. I have never been so at once like uh, that particular moment was chilling and ridiculous at the same time. And, and, uh, I, I was just like, oh my God. Like, I was secret. I'm going to, and I'm going to say this. I was secretly hoping. That his head would explode when he held up the Bible, or that something lightning bolt would strike him, or yeah. the Bible would burst into flames and consume him with it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, you're right. Like watching any more, Bill Hicks used to have a joke. Like, does anybody here ever watched more than 29 hours of CNN in a row? <laughs> kind of thing. And I was like, I'm in that boat this week, where I just, I, I it's just events were unfolding so fast that I sort of was you know stunned but it but it does get depressing there's no doubt about it you don't well, want to I, leave I your tend house. to lean more towards the uh, the Canadian news networks instead of CNN just cuz they they tell it in a much different way it's not as sensationalized you can watch like Chris Cuomo thinks he's the shit man that guy just he, he's so in love with himself that like he just you know I just can't stand it like the this the Canadian personalities don't have that attitude about themselves so i think i would say maybe anderson cooper is probably the most affable of the cnn hosts i don't know he doesn't seem to have that much of an attitude but he does sometimes but he's certainly the most liked but the canadian ones are just i just prefer watching canadian news just because it's it's more accessible and they, they'll always cut to justin trudeau outside his house you know that kind of stuff is very it's, nice to watch i think it's it's uh by you know Canadian standards, uh, it's by Canadian standards. It is like some would say boring, but I won't say that. No, 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 no. I know, but it's it's calming. Yes, calming. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was calming. struggling for a word there, and I, boring is like it sounds like a critique, but yeah, at, like no, it is. It, it's like not very eventful, but that's good. I think we we, don't, we, we like that. Right I think now. it'll tell you something about our times that we find 
uh, pandemic news on Canadian channels to be calming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like it's just yeah, crazy. It is. Anyway. I mean, that's a whole other discussion is what's going on. Yeah, well, well yeah. so we'll continue this conversation in the next episode, but yeah, I thought it would be good just to check in and see, and now I'm going to try and get outside more. I really am going to go outside, go for walks, uh, go to the zoo. I'm going to go to the zoo this weekend and, uh, and just get some more outside time because I'm, I'm getting cabin fever stuck in here. It really is. I'm getting just sick of being inside. My kids are getting sick of being inside. So we're going to try and do some outdoor activities as much as we can. Well, let me give you a suggestion. If you have anything at all in your life to paint, anything, a bicycle, anything, <laughs> take it outside and paint it. And at the end of the day, you'll be like, I had a workout. And I painted something. There you go. That's <laughs> said, a good idea. Yeah, it's always good. I, this week I painted the deck of our house. That's why I was like, okay. oh. And, but you go out there and, and one thing that happens is you're like, it's hot out here. Like, holy. <laughs> so when you actually go in and have a, and, and have a drink, a Kool-Aid drink? or something, you're like, yeah, yeah. ah, this is pretty good. <laughs> like, like you appreciate the indoors more. Okay. Do you have something That's to good paint? good suggestion. I don't have anything to paint. No, huh. I don't know what I can do. I'll figure something out. Yeah, any a wall, a wall in the apartment. I could do that too. Shannon has told me she wants to start painting her wall. Oh yeah, as in like like painting like something on the side, like oh. painting the actual wall instead of uh. And she's a very good artist, so I think I'm going to let her do that and just we'll just paint over it when we move out. That's a good project. So yeah, yeah. it occurred to me this okay. week painting something will take you. It'll get you moving, and at the same time, you'll be happy. You'll have a couple results at the end, which is yeah. You'll, you'll be hungry for lunch, and you'll have a lovely painting to look at. There you go. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this episode of The Media Nerds. I'm Dan Vatabonker. I'm Denton Larson. Don't let the door hit you on the ass. <laughs>